and welcome to From the Rookery End. Yes, we are outside Vicarage Road, outside the Hornet Shop, after Watford have won a game. Yes, this is a rarity for quite a while now. Uh, and uh, we've just seen Watford win 3-0, comfortably win 3-0 uh, at home in the Carabao Cup um, to Coventry City. Jason is with me. Hello. Hello there. And Michael. Hello. <laughs> Hello, special Michael. Happy Michael. Jason, you've got 30 seconds. Name all the sponsors who have sponsored the League Cup. Go. Rumblows, Litterwoods, Milk, uh, Carabao, Coca-Cola. Uh, who have I forgotten? Who have I forgot? Worthington. Yes. Uh, oh. Carling. Thank you. Uh, is there more? Is there more? Is there more? Do you know what? I don't have the answer in front of me, uh, but I think you'd cover them all. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it, is a, it is that sort of weird cup that we have. It's not the glamour of the FA Cup, but, but we saw a performance from Watford that was exactly what we saw, from my point of view, exactly what we needed to see from Watford. Um, we've seen Crystal Palace grant penalties. We've seen Norwich lose um, in 90 minutes. This is a fifth season of Premier League Watford and we've, we've comfortably won in the Carabao Cup with a completely changed eleven. Yeah, I mean, I think what I will say is I think that was the perfect fixture for us because Coventry bought a load of fans and they turned it into an event. Now, I was just talking to a couple of people on the way out. If we'd turned over a League One side 3-0 with 200 fans in the, in the away end, it's just an expected thing. It made it more of an event. It made it more fun for those watching and it made it more valid if that makes sense I think we all needed that we all needed that lift um, and Coventry bringing three and a half thousand four thousand fans fair play to them noisy all the way through turned it into a real thing a proper match that it feels like it was worth winning so your point about it not feeling quite as glamorous as the FA Cup that's true but that is pretty much as good as it gets for a, for a Carabao Cup second round tie, I think, at home. It was exactly what we needed. Um, and luckily, Watford stepped up, to the, uh, stepped up to the plate. And it just sort of cleanses the palate a little bit, doesn't it? And we can sort of gird our loins and head up to Newcastle now with a bit more positivity because it was a completely changed side. I was thinking about that on, as the game unfolded and sort of laughing at the commentary fans. <laughs> we beat you with, a, with 11 changes from the weekend. But then you look at who comes in and some side, wasn't it, to be able yeah. to put out. So um, lots of changes, but a really powerful side. You'd have expected them to win, and they did it comfortably. And I think that, for me, that's the great thing about the fact that we won this game with a change 11. It shows the depth of the squad. It shows what's available. And I think that's the big, you know, the whole thought process I had throughout that game was, you know, who is there playing to show off and say, I am here, I am here. Who's there showing off, hey, if someone gets injured, I'm your man, I'm solid. And who's there playing for, hey, pick me, start me, not even just a, a substitute, pick me in that first team. Jason, um, let's, 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 sort of, let's have a look. The, the hard thing, I suppose, we, you, know, you guys talked about it on Saturday after the game against West Ham. Defensively, we had two change at centre-back, Mariapa, Cabaselli, didn't have a huge amount to do, but were solid as you wish them to be. And, and, and the, I think, I suppose, the biggest thing in some ways was the nil. Coventry. Absolutely, and at 3-0 up there was still uh, a desire amongst the back four to, to protect that clean sheet, they were still working hard there were a couple of moments where Coventry almost broke through and our boys worked hard to sort of get back in position tackle back and put in a couple of last ditch challenges, so yeah that it was pleasing to see that desire, Neil, desire there at 3-0 up against the League One side uh, But the, the, the biggest thing I think in terms of, who was your man of the match? I know the answer to this one Jason, you tell me already who was your man of the match? Um by some distance and, and he didn't even need to ha have to score a goal to have got it and that's Daryl Yamat I thought we saw his Premier League class tonight against uh, against lesser opposition um, read the game superbly 
I talked on Saturday about Kiko not tucking in and forming, forming a, a solid back four. He was doing that all the time. Um, calm on the ball, went under pressure, got out of a few tricky situations. We also saw what he loved to do, and that's play that sort of inverted wing-back role. And the fact that he's got Saar in front of him allows him to do that. So Saar's going to go wide. Well, um, uh, Yamak can then exploit that space in between, cut inside, picked up the ball in that position quite a lot of times to set up some uh, quick counter-attacks going forward. Brilliant performance from him. I, I said it on Saturday that I wanted to see him start against Newcastle. Even more so now I want to see him start against Cemented? Newcastle. In my eyes, yes. But he's played a full 90. I don't know if that's telling or yeah. not, if that means he might not be in the reckoning for, for Saturday, but I would like to see him start on Saturday. But we had a, a lot of changes all over the pitch. And we, you know, defensively, it was lovely, uh, but attackingly, uh, the fact that we saw first team start for both Welbeck, Mike, and for Saar um, just gives them that time. Uh, in fact, probably even better the fact they're playing against a side like Coventry, especially a play like Saar. Yeah, definitely. They need time in their legs, don't they? They need to get up to full speed. I think Welbeck is more advanced in that than, than Saar is. He had a, I think he struggled, didn't he, really, to be honest, in the, in the first half a little bit. Um, but then in the second half, I think he had an opportunity to, to stretch his legs and he thought, oh, crikey, there's that, there's that pace. I think he was, he was well marshalled at the, at the back and... Um, I don't think he had it all his own way, but you kind of expect, you know, you think, you know, there's 30 million quid there, you're expecting tricks and fireworks, and it's just not, not going to happen like that, is it? Um, but I thought, and I thought, actually thought when Welbeck came on against West Ham, he actually looked quite sharp. His movement is that little cut above. He's very incisive with his movements and very deliberate, and you can't quite, I can't quite explain it properly, but his moves are, they're sharp. Uh, and I think if we can get him fully fit, I think he'll, he, he'll be an, a, an absolute. Um, a real huge asset and that was the only thing missing tonight uh, was, was a, was a well-back goal if he'd have scored I think it'd been perfect Jason in you come yeah I, I was going to call it the other way around I was thinking that Saar perhaps is more uh, in an advanced uh, place for getting to the first team than, than Welbeck is um, we've seen Saar get some game time tonight and then get taken off so I'm wondering if that's because he's going to play a, a bigger part on Saturday Welbeck it felt to me like as you said, he didn't have it all his own way. And I just felt if he was told just to get the game time in his legs tonight, I don't think, and I'm not saying he didn't try, but I'm just thinking he, he had a bit of a run out there. He perhaps wasn't expected to do as much as the other players because he wasn't quite as involved maybe as, as the other players were. Um, and I'm just wondering if that is because he's not quite ready for a start yet in the, uh, in the Premier League and he's going to be kept as coming off the bench to try and be a game changer for now. I think with a striker as well, I think he is a, a target man, he is an out-and-out -out striker and I think you don't necessarily want, you know, you saw, um, um, uh, what's his name, I can't remember his name, Roberto Pereira, <laughs> drifting all over the place, sort of coming deep, really deep, really he was deep, the, the, really the, the, deep. the furthest back at some stage to pick the ball up and he was floating around the place, that's kind of what you want him to do against, against Coventry, give him a free reign, find some holes, cause some damage. But do you but, not think that was because we were playing... The, the other centre midfielders, being Krina and Chalabar, there wasn't anybody sort of being an anchor in that, that midfield to allow him to be, you know, he was coming back to sort of, not, not to cover, yeah, I mean, but to, to, to fill a role. Don't mean, the, reason I, the reason I raise um, Pereira was because I think you want X from Welbeck, which is stay up front as a striker and take your chance if it comes your way. And, and Pereira had an obviously a very, very different role. I think Chalabar was there to do the anchoring, as far as I could tell. He didn't ask me who my man of the match is. I would say it was Daryl Yanmat by a country mile. It's the first thing I decided after about five minutes. He just looked so solid. 
physically yeah. as well as sort of um, metaphor. It doesn't even make sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I echo everything Jay said. <laughs> but I thought Queen did did well when he yeah. uh, he just he buzzed around. He did what we liked so much last year. And again, you have to take it in context. You have to look at the opposition, but you can only play it in front of you. And I thought he looked a menace. I thought he worked really hard. The way he just buzzes around and and looks to make things happen. That's when our midfield is functioning. That's probably the best description of it. They make things happen. Uh, and we, I don't think we've had that for a little while. And Queenie just gave it that, that little spark. It wasn't a complete performance, but he would, uh, if you take Gamma out of the equation, he'd get the, he'd get the nod for me. But I think it was, it was, it was really exciting to see Saar and Welbeck sort of linking up a couple of times. Um, just seeing Saar stretch his legs down that right flank a couple of times when the game had opened up, in fairness, Coventry had to go for it. But you did get a glimpse of that pace and you thought, hang on. If we can just, you know, if we can just put it all together, because again, um, we said there was um, Opta Joe, Matt Furness did an incredible sort of list of, of stats on Twitter about where we're going wrong, basically, over the last, well, couple of months, really, two or three months. And the one that really bugged me is the, is, is the attacking, the waste, the wastefulness in that final third. And we're still there. We missed chances today. I think Jan Matt missed one, Welbeck missed one. Um, we miss far too many. We need to be more clinical. And I think today will help because people will go back with a spring in their step and have remembered what it's like to hit the back of the net. But we absolutely have to be more, more clinical. It's, it, it's, it's criminal. It's criminal. So, yeah, don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah. score more goals, please, Watford, yeah, yeah. I think is the bottom line. But the first goal from, uh, from Saar felt calm. I think that for me was my biggest thing was he, he, he wasn't having the, the say early in the, in the first half, he wasn't having the space he, he found later in the game, but later in the game, it was, it was the, the, the drive and the, the increase of uh, momentum and, and, and velocity he had um, that sort of was a bit more exciting. It wasn't like, I'm going to put it in front of you, I'm going to beat you there. It was like, I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to go. And, and that right. was beautiful to sort of see. You're right to raise the goal, though, because it was calm and he had had a sort of... His shoulders didn't drop, but he hadn't no. beaten a man and he hadn't really had the impact that he obviously wanted to have. Um, but when the chance came, you were confident, just in the way he holds himself and the way, you know, his poise, his posture, you were confident where that ball was going. Bottom left-hand corner and he delivered. I think that's really impressive to... I don't know how many, how far, far it was in, 25 minutes, half an hour, uh, yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. So just to... He had his chance, switched on, bottom left-hand corner, bang. Coventry that would, probably would have thought they were doing all right up until then, which they were. Um, they were in the game, just, I would have said. Um, but that's that little bit of extra quality. And that's what you see tonight, is the difference between a Premier League and a non-Premier League side. We've been on the wrong end of it so many times. Coventry will travel home tonight three and a half down saying we didn't play badly there we, we, that'll set us up nicely for the league but in actuality they've been battered really um, because the, all those players they're just a cut above um, but we must, we must translate it into we must translate it into goals and to see Saar get off the mark like that after a sort of slightly rusty start I thought was hugely hugely positive and exciting uh, Daryl scored the second the third was from the cuddly Peñaranda uh, the cuddly panda Peñaranda um, and it was you know, almost like seeing a player like him who was playing not for a place but playing for being in the, the, the thought process for the first team. Um, he came straight in and was going as deep as, as Pereira to sort of be a, you know, the creative player in, in that midfield. Um, but he's you can see the development in him, Jason. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. Obviously, you mentioned Pereira earlier and then that switch to Peñaranda was almost a a straight swap an identical right Perot has been doing this for, for the last hour or whatever now you're going to do exactly the same and it we saw how we set up sort of I'm sort of going away from, from Peñaranda but we sort of set up with a, that sort of 4-2-3-1 is what it looked like and 
you were wondering if it was going to be sort of that interchange between Welbeck and and Pereira, but it wasn't. You know, Pereira was sort of dropping deep, and it was the other sort of the other two in the three that were sort of joining in with the attacks, coming inside, allowing our fullbacks to then sort of bomb on and sort of try and join in the attacks that way. And so Penuranda doing that same role as Pereira was getting involved in the play, and that's good. That's what you want to see. You want to, we don't really know how he's developed over over the last year. We saw him at. At Woking, yeah. didn't see that much, much of him really. Um, I think we saw a lot more of him tonight, and, and it was great for him to get the goal. That was that was good. Uh, had a had a go, bought the ticket, won the lottery. You know, <laughs> that was great. But yeah, so the, the rest of his play as well, getting involved. The goal probably gave him confidence, but then yeah, he was he was yeah dropping deep, nice touches on the ball, um, and I think the team performance as well just just helped that as well. The players were making themselves available, getting involved, and it's a lot easier to sort of play those quick passes those, those nice little passing triangles when you've got other players on the pitch that want that want the ball want to get involved in the game last man I suppose we need to really talk about we talked about how you know Caroselli maybe uh, played his way in, into a, a starting position but um, I don't think he's going to start uh, at left back um, on the left side but Michael you might need to help me here how are we saying it Fulkier Fulkier it's got to be Fulkier isn't it Fulkier Fulkier uh, uh, yeah, just, the Fulkier just, residence. <laughs> the Fulkier residence. The lady of the house speaking. <laughs> he needs. He needed a game. He needed to be even part of our thought process as, as fans. Maybe my biggest thing I'm taking away from this game is yes, we were playing Coventry, a lower league team, but there was depth in our squad. Yep. Yep, and I think he was absolutely fine. He was never looked in in any danger. I think he's probably third choice in that position if uh, if we if we're doing a pecking order. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Then that goes back to my earlier point about we made eleven changes, but there are eleven pretty pretty decent changes. I thought I thought maps looked a bit tentative at times tonight. There was a there was a back pass that was a bit under hit. I can't remember what the score was at at the time. It was uh, it was certainly in the second half, so we, we would have been ahead. But we could have done without. Without conceding it, we didn't obviously. I just thought it didn't look, looked lacking a little bit of confidence. I wonder whether that's something that the captaincy does. See. You're thinking about extra things. I think maybe. Um, so yeah, he looked a little bit tentative. Um, and it's like you say, Cabaselli didn't didn't have too much to do. But yeah, it's it's a deep squad, and that's what makes it frustrating. I mean, speaking of frustrating, there's a man that's just walked past yeah, us. Say, yeah, you said there's only one more there. man we need to talk about. There is one more man. There is one more man we need to talk about. Um, and and we we got the full book tonight, didn't we? We got the whole <laughs> range of Isaac's success. Mike's used the word frustrating, but to be fair, we've also seen the good side of Isaac's success tonight. We've had the whole lot from his very first touch that went out for a throw on, which I, I, God knows what he was doing there. The pass for the first goal, absolutely sublime, brilliant. His his work rate at times was really good. There are a couple of times where he's chased back and he's not given up defending you know sort of one where he's he's blocked across for a corner and then the other one where he sort of chased back and, and won the goal kick and just sort of yeah that's what I do he had that look about him but there are other times where he's just I don't know just just played past, Isaac passes <laughs> that just, just just weren't there at times time. he was really time, really yeah. poor I thought in, in times and I think there was a there was a time he was a, it's very very hot tonight again and there was a time he was having a water having a drink of water a bottle of water it wasn't a drinks break or anything like that and he missed a break because he was standing on near the touchline with his water he had to chuck the water get down the other end that's ridiculous and I think that kind of sums him up a lot when he went on loan he looked like some player he went, we went away and it was like he's going to be a handful and you can see as Jay said he obviously could be a, hand, a handful he hasn't 
he hasn't put the hard work in because he would have made more appearances by now. We've had him for a long time. He got rewarded with that massive contract. He's not making moves at all. And I think the Isaac success we saw tonight, that's as good as it's going to get for him at Watford. He's just, he still looks big to me as well. He looks like he's carrying, a, says me, <laughs> carrying a little bit of extra, extra timber. Um, and just, I think he switches off. I think he switches off and, and, and when, he's, when he's good, he's, he's great, but when he's bad, he is, you know, Coventry wouldn't, wouldn't sign him in their, you know, in their division. So I think, I think, for me, he's a big wasted talent. I think he's one that's gone wrong for us and whether that's our handing of him, him going out on loan or whether it's his reluctance to really knuckle down. And if I'm being honest, I think it's probably the latter. I think, I just don't think he's... He's prepared to put the hard yards in, and and we're seeing that's what that's how you end up a player like that. Obviously talented, but it not coming off for you more often than not. So what do you reckon? And do do you think loan him out again? Say right, you need to knuckle down if you want your chance in the Premier League. You go to the Championship, you go abroad, you play there, or is it time for us to say right, let's cash in? Yeah, get shot. I think he, I think he's had his chance. He's been here for a long time now, and there's always been stories swirling around about him from the very first time he signed. There was issues about his passport, so he missed the first pre-season yeah. friendly when he saw. I mean, if you're starting a new job, you know, make sure you've got your pen and paper with you, right? It's it's basics, and I think or your glass of Bailey's. Well, well, exactly. <laughs> so there's always been a, a bit around him, yeah. and um, no doubt talented, but he's he's so frustrating. I think he's I think for me. Um, I think the, the Isaac success ship has sailed. The good ship success is about to leave, leave port. But we've seen a Watford side and we've seen the talent tonight and we've seen them that can compete. And, hey. I've got one more. And I'm, I'm loath to be negative about him, but hooray. Oh, come on, Michael. Come on, we need it. Why? This would be unlike you if you weren't negative. And it's and I, I'm glad to see Heraleo. Glad to see hear people singing his name at the end. It's lovely to see him resplendent in that orange kit. <laughs> he looked absolutely. Uh, no, no one can be resplendent in orange. Let's get <laughs> no, that's, yeah, absolutely, unless you're a bin man. Um, uh, working for anyway. So I'm interested to know when when he resigned. I assumed he was going to be third choice backup in a coaching mm. capacity with with Backman, who I didn't see much of him last year, but by all. Um, uh, all reports he had a really good season in Scotland very different to the, the Scottish Premier League is very different to the English Premier League obviously but looking forward I was thinking that would be a bit of succession planning and then with Darberg underneath him um, so a bit surprised um, there's obviously you know I don't go to training every day I don't go to training at all <laughs> but I mean, we don't know what's going on so there's obviously sound reasoning behind it but I'm a, I'm a bit surprised and it feels like where previously it feels like we're getting our ducks in a row, it feels like they've gone a bit a bit skew if in that yeah, in that yeah, department. Absolutely agree. I mean, what Gomez is a, is a great goalie and a great servant to us, but yeah, what 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 do we get out of Gomez playing? Whereas if you give at least give Backman some game time, if you're not going to play him again, <laughs> get him out on loan, give him another season developing elsewhere. It just does, does seem odd. Having said all that, Gomez, yeah, he did exactly what was asked of him, um, and there was that one one on one. In yeah. the second half, where he yeah, uh, and that, what was that from Mariapa's back pass that we spoke about? I can't remember, but it was a that the big forward steaming down on him. He didn't he didn't bottle it. He didn't shirk it. Went in hard. Make sure he won the ball and won the throw on in the uh, in the event. So yeah, fair play, Aurelio. Well done. Well done, everybody. Well done. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. Mike Service Parking. He has a son called Arlo, and uh, he was at the game tonight. Um, it's 
the summer holiday, so he's allowed out late. Uh, and uh, this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. So, Arlo, we've just seen a, a whole host of new players and a whole host of players that don't play normally. Who, in today's win against Coventry City, of all the Watts players, who stood out for you? I think Penaranda and Saar. Two goal scorers, but were you happy that the cuddly panda, Penaranda, got his goal? Yes, Penaranda, Penaranda, he's a big fat cuddly panda, Penaranda, Penaranda. Podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We are here after a good, solid, professional Watford win. However, the last few days um, haven't been the greatest in terms of being a Watford fan. Uh, we are at the end of three Watford defeats in the Premier League. Uh, three games, as Michael said, uh, during our pre-season training podcast, where those are the places we need to get uh, some points. They are uh, not bankers necessarily, but they are the, the opportunities uh, more than some of the other games uh, that we have to play. And 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 the game that's been sort of played out in in conversations and in, in, in chats between fans is blame. Who is to blame? And we'll, I want to have, have a chat about that. And, and and is anybody to blame? Is anything to blame? Is there any anything to blame whatsoever? But it hasn't been great, Michael, to to be as a Watford fan trying to blame somebody no I thought and I think to put it in context if any non-Watford fans are listening and you know my dad is very rational so it's only three games into the season relax you'll be fine and and other people who we sort of interact with oh don't worry lads you'll turn it around yes but so it's on the back of a really really bad run of form at the end of last season so you have to view it in in context and it has been poor and it has been worrying um, so the natural thing is you're feeling down, you're feeling glum, you can't switch the telly on for fear of seeing the goals, you can't pick a paper up for fear of reading a match report. So who are you going to blame? Um, and, yeah, I think there's been three main um, areas that have been identified that different sort of factions have sort of picked up. Defence, recruitment and Javi. They seem to be... Javi. They seem to be... <laughs> that's for you, Geordie. They seem to be the three... Areas which perfectly, each of them perfectly reasonable yeah. because you can't defend like Watford have defended in the Premier League and get away with it. I think, I keep telling everyone this, but I think the last clean sheet was at home in February against Everton. Uh, that, quite frankly, isn't good enough by any stretch of the imagination. We haven't really come close to keeping a clean sheet um, and it's sort of got incrementally worse. So that is a massive, massive issue and I can completely understand why people are wringing their hands about defence. You'd be mad not to. And then the next natural step on from that is have we recruited well enough in, 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 in that back line? Now I think the the, the Harry thing is, is, is a bit I want to sort of get to last because that's the easy one and that's modern day football hey let's blame the manager let's change the manager that's what the Pozzos do the uh, friends who might not be Watford fans listening to this podcast but, but the, the fact that we've had this defensive Jason I sort of put that bit a little bit down to recruitment I don't necessarily think, you know, we had a, we did a podcast, not last January, the January before, where what do we need? We need a new striker, we need a new centre-back. And we have had a new centre-back, but only in the recent window. And it f- almost feels like Dawson should have been the second new centre-back that we bought over that period. And maybe Saar, and maybe even more so Wellback, are the strikers 
that we have really been wanting, you know, proper, proper strikers from, in terms of Welbeck. We hadn't necessarily had that. Um, we had attackers, but not strikers. So, how much can you put this blame on our recruitment? Yeah, I, I, for me, I think there's a, a, a collective blame. I know it seems a bit odd that we're, we're talking about blame. Well, I don't want to find blame, the blame. I don't want to find the blame. No. I just want to talk about that's what people are doing. And maybe yeah. we want to try and find out if there isn't anyone to is blame. It, but anyone to but blame? where can you talk? Let's, let's talk about where the blame could go. Yeah, so recruitment, yes. Uh, and when we signed Dawson, we signed him reasonably early compared to everyone else. Um, and I think I said at the time it, that that's a good start. And it, yes, it would have been good to have got another another sense back in. Um, obviously, didn't happen. Dawson, at the time, still felt like an upgrade on Mariapa. Um, I'm wondering if Dawson himself. <laughs> it sounds odd, but has he forgotten how good and how difficult the Premier League is to play in? He's had that season in the Championship. Um, and by all accounts from West Brom fans, perhaps he wasn't quite playing as well as they know he could do last season. Has he not then got back up to speed, which does sound strange, but I, that's that sort of nagging doubt in, in my head. Um, but I, I think there's as much to think about and we talked about keeping hold of our our good players which we've managed to do and we haven't made massive wholesale changes because we didn't need to didn't we and yeah because we know that that squad is capable that squad is ca- that we've got is capable of putting in great performances the where we were around February, March time, where we are in a position where we are challenging for Europe on two fronts because we're high up in the Premier League and we're on our way to an FA Cup final. That was that squad, that squad that we've we've got now. Who have we lost? Miguel Britos. Played a few games at the end, did all right, in my opinion, but yeah, there we go. We've added to that squad with a few players without disrupting it too much. Why is that squad not good enough? Okay, maybe now we're saying... Yeah, another another centre back would have been great, but I, I don't I don't think it's the recruitment is bad enough to see a massive slump that will see us continue continuing in a relegation battle. We we haven't dropped that massively, and yeah, long way to go, only three games, but we haven't dropped that massively just because of recruitment. It's, no, it's going to be a shared blame. So 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 by that logic, then Michael, it is purely because of. Our manager, Javi, after 18 months of the job, he's done his job here with us. They've, they've flatlined, haven't they, under him? I think the players still respect him and still play for him, which is what we've, we've, we've given him credit for. He's probably the first head coach who's had the longevity, had the ear of the players for, for long enough. Um, and so, but there's absolutely no denying it. He is in the midst of a, of a terrible, terrible slump and questions will be being asked um, in, at the highest echelons of the club as to, right, you know, best of the rest, all that sort of talk, getting into Europe, cup runs, getting bigger, attracting better players, filling the stadium. Is he the man to take us there? That's Because that's what the question is. That's the ever-evolving question. That's why the head coach changes so much. And, and as you pointed out the other day, John, I think Scott said that he, could, he sees head coaches having a two-year maximum shelf life. Well, he's there. 
pretty much. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see um, to see it move on necessarily. And the difficulty we've got with Javi, it's kind of similar to, to the situation with Kike. Everyone loves him. Um, it went pretty stale pretty quickly with Kike in the end. But as a person, I think everyone was very fond with him. He, the, the way he portrayed himself, the way he handled himself, the way he portrayed himself to the media, the way he represented Watford was was excellent. And, and Javi's very much in that vein. And I think there's a lot of people with a lot of an emotional pull towards towards Javi. Strip out that, which is difficult with football fans who are emotional yeah. beings, and I'd be I'd be sad to see him go. But the run is is bad, as Jason pointed out. The squad is is more than good enough. This is a supremely talented squad. We they just need to they just needs to be pulled together, and who else is going to pull it together apart from the head coach? You know, I'm not prepared to throw Dawson under the bus after three Premier League games. He's obviously a decent player. I think the fact, you know, one of the questions that people ask is, why didn't we spend 20 million on a centre-back? That's one question. My question is, who's the centre-back we should have signed instead? Just spending 20 million instead of 5 million is an absolute nonsense for me. And that's lazy, uh, thoughtless, and you're not addressing the issue there. We should have spent more on a centre-back. Well, you know who who are our targets? Exactly. Who are we going yeah. to look just at? To, just to sort of back that up, we spent five million on a, a centre back who was a Championship centre back last year, with Premier League experience. Other clubs have, have spent twenty million on centre back with Championship experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you sort of put that into context. The the deal looks like quite a good one on paper. It is now just a question of of whether he can sort of translate that onto the pitch with good performances. Yeah. So he, is he the blame he but, needs to come good. He absolutely has to come good, otherwise it will look like a bad bit of a bad bit of recruitment. But this is wider. So your question is where's the blame? I think there's a little bit of a little bit of sprinkling yes. from all three corners that we've identified. I don't think it's anywhere near fatal. I think We've seen tonight what a little bit of confidence could do. Jason alluded to it, the way they were pinging the balls about in midfield. and having, They were having fun with their football, which is when Watford have been at their best in the past couple of years. They look like they're enjoying it. They look confident. They look like they can take on any team. And they have done. And that's gone missing in quite a big way. We're letting them in at the back and we've lost our cutting edge at the front. But the players are in the building as far as I'm concerned. We might be a little bit, a little bit short, perhaps, defensively. Perhaps... Um, and I think looking at the looking at the against column over the last three months, <laughs> that's quite clear. Absolutely right. The players are in the building. I have every faith in that. It needs to be pulled together, and how that gets knitted together, where that magic source comes from, that's a question that teams who struggle always ask. Always ask. Can they find an answer and can they find it quickly? We'll find out on Saturday. Hopefully they're going to travel up there with confidence. They'll have seen people, not necessarily snap into their heels for a, for a first-team place, but plenty will be looking over their shoulder, I think. Um, Javi will be looking to mix it up because he'll know. He'll feel that creeping pressure. So he'll be, will he be relying on the same players who have basically let him down over the last two, three, two or three months? Maybe, maybe not. Um, he's going to have to show something different because the performances have very much plateaued. Uh, we're, now in a, we're now in a big dip. Players need to sort themselves out. Javi needs to, to play a role in that and his coaching staff. Um, they just need to get their act together, quite frankly. But I think the talent is here. Uh, I understand why the question's being asked, but we're in, still in a decent shape with this squad. We're still in a decent shape as a football club. Uh, there's a long way to go in the Premier League season. We've burned through three of our winnable games. We're going to have to do something against the top six now. Over the last four four years, what have we got? Three, four points maybe a season from the top six. Three probably on average. They're probably not going to be good enough now because we've spaffed three, you know, nine points up in the wall. We're now playing 
So they're up against it. They've, they've, they've sort of played themselves into a corner. Um, they need to play themselves out of it, but they can. Thank you very much for listening uh, to From the Rooker End. Uh, we'll be back uh, after the game against Newcastle United um, and uh, see, yeah, hey, how does Harry do? How do the players do? Who can take a little bit more of that blame uh, if there is any even to be given out? What if one here at Vicarage Road uh, against Coventry City? And we're into the third round of the Carabao Cup. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. And we want to change something. Every podcast we finished always finished with a come on you horns. And we want you to do that. So we want to get your iPhones out, get your memo app, record yourself shouting the words, come on you horns, and we'll get you to finish our podcast. Now, Dylan is a friend of the podcast. If you ever see a good picture of us uh, out and about, uh, when we do uh, a good picture of us on Instagram, at Wolf Podcast, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, if you see a good picture of us, Dylan basically took it. So Dylan, from California... But now a hearty Watford fan. Give us a come on, you horns. Come on, you horns. Send us yours at Watford Podcast. Uh, podcast at fromtherookerend.com. <laughs> <laughs>